Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, October 17th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The UK's fourth chancellor in four months commences with damage control this week. U.S. banks are getting a boost from higher interest rates. And China's Communist Party Congress is underway this week in Beijing. The long agenda boils down to this. Is Xi Jinping going to win big or is he going to win really, really big? I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The UK's new chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, yesterday said Prime Minister Liz Truss is still in charge. Today, well, we can't be sure. Truss sacked her last chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, on Friday. He's the one who helped deliver the budget plan that threw UK markets into turmoil. The plan was central to Truss's own leadership. Now she says she's going to undo parts of it. And Chancellor Hunt said he'll set out a new budget on October 31st. Here's the FT's George Parker. We're going to find out in the next few days and starting on Monday whether the markets will give him that long or whether they're going to continue punishing the British government for what they see as an incredible economic strategy. The pressure is very much on the bond market. With people have been a massive sell-off of uh, British government bonds. That continued on Friday afternoon after Liz Truss's announcement about reversing part of her package. And of course, as bond price goes down, interest rates go up and that feeds through into the the mortgages of uh, Middle Britain. And what about on the political front, George? On the political front, I think it's, we're beyond the point of no return. We've had, on, during the course of Sunday, three Conservative MPs coming out openly and calling for Liz Truss to resign. But that's the tip of the iceberg. Virtually the whole political party has concluded that she's lost control. Not just that she's made a major economic error, but in the course of that, she's squandered a large part of the governing Conservative Party's appeal as a party of solid economic reputation, management of the public finances. Are there already discussions about who's going to replace Truss? I mean, she's only been prime minister for a little over a month. Well, there's plenty of conversations going on about who might replace her. The problem is that the Conservative Party can't yet decide on who that should be. And that's probably the one thing that's keeping Liz Truss in her job at the moment. The fact is the Conservative Party hasn't quite worked out how or when she should be replaced and by who. In terms of names being mentioned, well, Rishi Sunak, of course, was the former Chancellor of the Exchequer who warned uh, that this would happen if Liz Truss won the leadership. He was up against her in the leadership contest over the summer and lost, but he's quite a divisive figure. Jeremy Hunt, of course, now is the Chancellor, has a reassuring bedside manner. Could he be a unity figure? But then there are other people like Penny Mordaunt, who took part in the leadership contest, who's the leader of the House of Commons, Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary. The problem is that if it was easy enough to organise a straight coronation and the whole party could agree to come in behind one particular candidate, that might make things simple. But that isn't the case. There's a whole load of different theories about who might replace this trust. George Parker is the FT's political editor. More U.S. bank earnings are out this week. The big banks out so far with their financials have shown that a slowdown in deals or the scarcity of initial public offerings are being offset by great net interest income. Which is really just measures the amount of money that they make from making loans. The FT's Joshua Franklin covered last week's earnings reports from J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup. They're all benefiting from the Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate hikes. 
But what was particularly interesting is that what, it didn't just show them being able to charge more for the loans that they are making, um, given that the Federal Reserve is, is lifting benchmark interest rates, but really they're able to make these loans without simultaneously rewarding customers with significantly higher rates that they're paying on their deposits. This is so-called deposit betas. So keeping deposit betas low is good for banks because it means that they can pocket a lot of the interest rate increases themselves. What about the banks that are coming out with earnings today? I think it'll be a similar trend for Bank of America, and we'll be interesting to see whether or not they follow the likes of J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo, which both increased their guidance for net interest income for the end of the year and also gave pretty positive guidance for 2023 when it comes to that, whether or not we see similar actions by, by B of A. Are investors reassured by this? I mean, how are they feeling about the climate that we're in right now for U.S. banks? I think it's still one where investors feel there's a lot of potential downside risk. So the big question for the banks, obviously they're making all this money from loans, but what is the credit risk that they're taking on and what's the credit environment that they're going to be heading into? Banks, again, they were all saying that everything that they're seeing in their numbers shows that U.S. consumers and U.S. corporations are in strong health, that credit conditions remain really strong. But you had Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. He thought U.S. consumers had about nine more months of savings that would allow them to spend at their current rate before potentially things get a little bit more difficult. That's the FT's U.S. banking editor, Joshua Franklin. China's leader, Xi Jinping, yesterday delivered a speech to thousands of clapping party delegates. They're in Beijing this week from all over the country to attend a crucial Communist Party Congress. Xi's speech lasted nearly two hours. Xi repeated Beijing's plan to unify with Taiwan peacefully, but he refused to denounce the use of force. He warned the U.S. not to further support Taiwan. This Congress is also when new leaders ascend to power, and also on Xi's agenda, a plan to have himself be appointed for a third five-year term. So he will, after this Congress, be set to be China's undisputed paramount leader for at least 15 years, potentially 20 or 25. That's our Beijing bureau chief, Tom Mitchell. He says this is what this meeting is really about. I think it comes down to, is Xi Jinping going to win big or is he going to win really, really big? And one way of explaining that is kind of one of the most exciting moments at any party Congress is when you get the members of the new Politburo Standing Committee revealed. It's, it's kind of like the, uh, the revelation of a new pope. Seven men, it's always men, walk out from behind a curtain in order of their rank. What we know for sure is Xi Jinping will be at the head of that line. But the composition of the rest of the committee is a real secret. Tom, is there going to be any changes of economic policy coming out of this party congress? There may be some hints, but the thing with party congresses, they tend to be very heavy on rhetoric and light on detail. And I think what we're going to hear is a lot of emphasis on some of the big themes of Xi Jinping's two terms in power, for example, his commitment to common prosperity, which is all about spreading the wealth in a more fair manner in China, cutting down on the power of tech companies, reigning in property prices. You know, the big policies that he's emphasized over the past five years 
we'll probably hear a lot about that. But typically, when you get a new, or in this case, a renewed leadership team at a party congress like this, it typically takes a year for them to come out with a detailed policy document. Now, Xi Jinping loves to surprise. He loves to take gambles. It's not out of the question that he could reveal a more detailed policy blueprint earlier than would normally be the case. So, Tom, you've, you've written about this, but what are some of the concerns about Xi Jinping having such total power and now staying in office for seemingly an unlimited amount of time? Well, I think the risk is that Xi Jinping's grip on political power is so strong and unchallenged that when he makes errors in the economic sphere, they tend not to be corrected. Now, that, that's happened before. Mao Zedong, the party's revolutionary hero, made catastrophic errors, but he stayed on in power because he was, he was Mao Zedong. No one could challenge him. There had been a very healthy correction every 10 years in China, and that's going to be thrown out the window. Now, the riposte to that from people who admire Xi Jinping, and there's a lot of people who do, is that China's at a pivotal moment in its history. China needs a strong leader to stand up and get China through this pivotal moment in history, arguably like FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did in 1940. And FDR was probably right. You know, his leadership uh, worked out. And that's kind of the argument for Xi Jinping. Uh, So we'll see whether or not he's another FDR. Tom Mitchell is the FT's Beijing bureau chief. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.